Ja. Hey, Renu, how are you? I'm good, Declan. How are you? I'm good. We're getting well settled into our new studio. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually feel like this is the, the second generation of our podcast. Yeah, it does feel like and it, And we've just kind of clicked our 100th episode. Yes, I must say, we posted our 100th episode yesterday for those of you who might have seen it, and it was a bit of a special mm. one for us, wasn't it? That was a very special one. A long time in the making. Yeah. Um, and a very meaningful podcast. Remembering Christchurch was the name of uh, our podcast earlier in the week, and it was a very special, we called it our magnus opus. It was really a, quite a bit of work for the last six months, putting together a very special uh, tribute to the uh, memory of the Christchurch earthquake back in 2011, and the reason why that really, really matters to the urological community in Australia and New Zealand. So if you haven't um, had a look at it, I think it's very special, and especially on YouTube. It's one to watch on yeah, video rather than audio, isn't it? Absolutely. And you know, it's been 12 years, and... Yeah, yeah, watching that brought back a lot of memories. Yeah, and, and look, one, the, one of the reasons we did it is there was a very special session at the USANS, that's the Urological Society, Australia, New Zealand, annual meeting in February, where we brought back some people who were incredibly involved in the earthquake, and we talked to them about yeah. what it meant, and we talked to some you know people who were uh, victims of the earthquake, and it was yeah. uh, we put this podcast all around it. So, yeah, remembering Christchurch, it's a good, it's a good definitely one, worth the so. worth a watch actually. But it's a, you know it's a, obviously hundreds of you know people died and devastation. Yeah. So we you know we'll be a little bit more lighthearted. Uh, today, yeah, hopefully. yeah, that's right. And you know the second generation of the podcast uh, requires a revisit from one of our favorite segments. Yes, Eva's Twitty back. Leaks is back. <laughs> Twi- what did she call herself? Twitty Leaks. Twitty Leaks. Did you forget? Yeah, Twitty Leaks. Twitty Leaks. Eva, how are you? We may have to change. That name soon, but Aoife, welcome back. I'm good. I did demand a better studio, and I'm glad that my uh, my demands are met. That so that's the only reason I wasn't back. You see, so I'm happy now. That's yeah. great. Fantastic. And you're fresh <laughs> off the plane from a visit to Ireland. Yes, I was in Ireland and back and forth from England. But Fantastic. yeah, fighting yeah. the jet lag. But and have you managed to keep up with what's happening on Twitter? Yeah. What is I'm, it with Twitter these days? I'm always on Twitter. Yeah, is it Twitter? Is it X? Do we really know what's going on? My feed changes all the time. It's hard to know. But um, yeah, it's uh, there's been a lot out there that I've been keeping up with in the last few months. Um, so first of all, like you'd, I suppose what we've seen, uh, as usual, with Twitter, lots of controversies. So I've seen, you know, they have the strikes in the, the UK. Way, is, it, is it still called Twitter, just for clarification? I, I don't know. I was I was doing some research before this episode to try and figure it out, and I just still hadn't decided. I think Elon <laughs> has well and truly wreaked havoc since he took it over, or allegedly. I might have to say that on the podcast, but uh, yeah, I think I think Twitter for now we're going to keep up with. Otherwise, I'll have to change my name to X Leaks. So X Leaks. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. see from then. Um, but yeah, the the last few months was strikes in the UK. I seen there was like uh, debates about the ambiguity of and um, professional titles as well and and all sorts of the usual stuff and drama on Twitter uh, but I think specific to GU though um, like you just mentioned the the Christchurch episode of a GU cast really like caught my eye this week and obviously I was there at USAN so I was in the room whenever I seen the video that, yeah. that you made on, on the massive screen and you know I feel like there was very few dry eyes in the house actually that night um yeah. but yeah I think it's definitely that's my top top watch yeah 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 no bribes taken for that so yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah other bits and bobs some serious ones some less serious ones but um 
the I had seen that David Keynes had posted an uh, interesting tweet, uh, oh, yes. which was we, we will put this up on the video. Yeah, the you should be able yeah. to see it there. So I think it's like the eternal thing in urology is like how we describe hematuria. <laughs> so I think in Australia we typically go by the red wine scale. So. It's either, you know, a Merlot or a Pinot Noir, but this is probably a bit more <laughs> technical. But it actually came from a 2020 study that was published in Urology Journal, and they sort of got urology healthcare professionals to give their own descriptors based on the colour of um, washout tubing and sort of put it in a five-point five scale. Um, and I think what he'd pointed out as well is it can be useful in things like, in particular, Epic, where you can make, like, dot phrases. So, you know, if you see a patient consult, you can put in a screenshot of this picture for, you know, the nurses and stuff to see, and then sort of as a more objective measure um, of what it looks like, because, you know, everyone everyone might describe it a little bit differently. So I thought that was a good one. Um, so yeah. Done. yeah, David Keynes is a great guy to follow, yeah, a neuro- neurologist at yeah. um, Leahy in the US, and he really is, he's a, a very innovative guy, and um, yeah, please follow David. Um, we were going to get him on the podcast we, for our yeah, chat GPT episode, didn't we? Yeah, we just couldn't we get, to get him on yeah, 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 Maybe now we've plugged him, he'll come on the podcast, <laughs> we'll see, that was all part of the plan. Fantastic. Um, what and else? Yeah, and then the other one was, I seen Jeremy Teo had uh, posted some of his new yes, research. that was a good one. Yeah, yeah I thought that was just interesting. Um, so it's just a proof of concept study um, and sort of looking at endoscopic guided ultrasound biopsies of the detrusor muscle. And it was done in um, porcine models. Um, and actually, it sort of looked like the stats, sort of the predicted stats were maybe 99% of um, detrusor muscle was sampled if you do sort of more than three biopsies. Again, all sort of tentative stats for that. Um, but I thought it was a really interesting take on, you know, bladder cancer. And uh, I think the hope is that you know, looking into it obviously more with human studies and things would be my expedite biopsies or diagnoses, you know, in some cases. And um, yeah, it is always, sometimes it's not always easy in a TURBT to actually get to Truser. So yeah. you might end up going a couple of times. So yeah, I think that'll be one to sort of watch what, what comes out of it in the next few years. Yeah, Jeremy's always got brilliant ideas yeah. like that, so that's that's a great thing to point out. Mm. Actually, the whole uh, area of imaging of bladder cancer uh, with this push and very nice uh, trial from the UK showing MR may replace the need for a T or BT in selecting yeah. patients for radical treatment. I don't. It's it's very interesting, you yeah. know. So maybe we need to dig into the imaging of bladder cancer, uh, how it's changing management, changing management yeah. pathways, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then on to sort of the more funny stuff, which is what I do enjoy more, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, there was a couple of things. Both com- came from um, Sevan uh, Panuganti. Um, he's a great follow. I'll give him a plug as well. Um, but one I seen going around Twitter was for all specialties. It was like uh, the tagline was annoy a urologist with one tweet. So it could be any sort of specialty. Uh, there were a few really good ones in this. So you can see it up there. But a lot of them were themed around uh you know a phone call you get in the night being like you know we placed a 16 french three-way catheter you can see him in the morning shouldn't be any issues with that lots of lots of issues around 16 french three-ways people were <laughs> describing that seems to be uh, one of the best ways to annoy a urologist <laughs> is to put in a small three-way catheter um another theme was uh one said uh, sorry to wake you up i know it's two in the morning but i think my patient is having a stroke and need an urgent consult uh, and then obviously you have to correct them that you're actually a urologist, not the <laughs> neurologist. So uh, yeah, uh, a few other ones. One was, oops, cut the ureter. So, you know, that that dreaded annoying uh, phone call you can get. Um, and then another one was, um, you know, in, in a, how do I know a urologist is saying, a urologist is a surgeon, right? 
um so yeah that, that, those were all really funny that thread um so Excellent. i said i'd recommend to have a little read um and then he also had posted you'll see here this got like eight thousand likes i think on twitter and like two million views but it was yeah please do not check your temperature via your urethra if you do don't shove it in so far it goes into your bladder and you forget about it for 15 years and that is a temperature probe oh. in someone's urethra. 15 years later 15 years so yeah just uh yeah very interesting even more than 8009 so yeah lot lots of stuff going on the serious less serious it's, it's all good fun on twitter and no kardashians uh, this week Eva. well you have hadn't had the opportunity to ask me yet, Declan. There has been some drama in the pop culture world, which I think you did quote say, along with horoscopes, was melting my brain. I think you said last time. So, but no, uh, Kylie Jenner was recently spotted out with her ex best friend Jordan Woods after uh, controversy with her sister from a couple of years ago. So that's the latest drama. I know we've Are got lots happy, of pop culture <laughs> Have you gotten your dose well, the, the, of the, the horoscope things is funny as uh, <laughs> as people. Are, so Aoife assists me in a huge number of robotic prostatectomies. Uh, so I spend hours and hours with her every week doing surgery. And um, apart from the Kardashians, horoscopes are the other thing. We haven't really do- gone into it on the podcast, but oh. uh, just get her talking oh, about hor- horoscopes. <laughs> you know, yeah. don't let Neptune rise over the. Can you just yeah. give us a few? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. Like that sort of um, skepticism is what a Sagittarius would say. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, is that enough for? Oh, you know, we, we probably could go on all episode, but yeah, yeah, yeah. we should be more on. serious. Stuff. We've, well, yeah. We'll have her back yeah. again. Fantastic. Now that she's back. Uh, yeah, thanks so much, Eva. That's fantastic. But um, yeah, on to our two international guests yes. who've been waiting patiently Very on the line. Exciting. Yeah. Yes. Are you excited? They're wondering what is going on. What is Twitty Leaks? Yeah, I know. And they're quite serious people, actually. They've got yeah. big jobs. Yep. They do, they do. We shouldn't keep them waiting. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a great privilege to uh, welcome uh, two old friends, uh, friends of mine from Europe, uh, to the podcast. Um, we have uh, Professor Morgan Rupre from Paris and Professor Alberto Briganti from uh, San Rafael. Uh, gentlemen, good morning to you. Uh, good evening here in Melbourne. Hello. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, look, great to see you. So, uh, Renu, why have we invited these two uh, urologists? I mean, from not only are they absolute superstars and very good friends of ours, but you know they've they've just taken on new roles within European urology and the journal yeah. family. And so, we wanted to officially introduce our two new editors in chief. Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? It's yeah. transition time for some of the European urology journals. So, you know, it's a big deal when there's a new editor-in-chief because it only happens every three or four years. And usually they've got a couple of terms. So it's only every seven or eight years the editor-in-chief changes over on yeah. these major journals from European urology, BJI, and so on. Um, so it's in that period, there's a kind of a six-month period when uh, the ex-editors-in-chief are and their teams are, are handing over the journal. And then I That's think right. from the 1st of January, they take yeah. over. So yeah. Um, uh, and not only are these two amazing, but they also have big shoes to fill because they're taking over from really amazing people as well. That's right. So uh, Alberto uh, Briganti is the new editor-in-chief of European Urology, the the biggest uh, journal in all of urology, uh, taking over from Jim Cato um, after a long, very successful period, who took over from Francesco Montorsi, Alberto's mentor yeah. at San Rafael in Milano. And Morgan has taken over as editor-in-chief of European Urology Oncology, uh, part of the European Urology family, where Alberto was the prior, <laughs> uh, actually the inaugural editor-in-chief. 
Um, it has a very family feel about it. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I think that's part of it, though. The transition is a, a yeah. challenging time, but at least it's all very familiar. So, yeah, so we've invited Alberto and Morgan on to talk a bit about the transition and what's coming in these big, really important journals for yeah. listeners. Um, and also, we wanted to dive into impact factors, didn't yes, we? Yes, I'm surprised that this wasn't featured on Leaks because it has been big out on Twitter. The new impact factors are out. What does it mean? What is the impact of these? Numbers. And for listeners out there who have no idea what an impact factor is, do you want to talk a little bit about what, what an impact factor is and why it matters to journal editors at Renew? Yeah, I mean, uh, so impact factors have been around for a long, long time. And it's really a way of evaluating journals and, and how they quality. sort of quality yeah. of journals compared to each other, really. So it's really an impact factor is a simple equation. So it's looking at how many citations um, uh, are received in that journal throughout a two-year period. That's the numerator divided by how many articles are published in a two-year period. So it's really the how many times does an average article get cited? Is that why the journals tend to have high reject rates? When we submit a manuscript, you know, these journals have like 80, 90% of the time they just reject it because they don't want to publish all these papers, even though we think they're very interesting. We've done all this research, um, but they don't want lots of articles because if you have lots of articles, your impact factor will be diluted. Um, and the articles they do exactly. accept, you know, they want to say, well, I'm accepting this article because it's high quality and I expect it will be cited over the next uh, couple of years. Yeah, I mean, we, we, should, we should get these guys to, to comment on it. But certainly that... that I'm sure that forms a part of it. And also impact factor has a major influence on people deciding to submit to a certain journal as well. Yeah. So it, it really works both ways. Yeah, and so traditionally the results come out mid-year and they're all trying to see, have I gone up? And most of them, I mean, there's a bit of a, the sea is rising about this and most of the impact factors are, have been going up. But this year, big shock was actually a lot of them dropped. So we want to talk about that. Alberto, what did you leave Morgan with? Yeah, Alberto, so <laughs> yeah, welcome to the uh, the podcast. It's, it's great of you to join us from Milano today. So, so thank you very much, guys, for this uh, kind invitation. And I, I can say one thing that uh, on behalf... Uh, I believe of all EAU journals, and I think to speak also on behalf of Morgan, we have been invited, all of us, to many meetings, but uh, actually being hosted at, at your fantastic GU cast is, is an achievement. So we are really, really proud and happy to be with you because you are so famous, you know? You are, you are like, uh, like uh, real, real uh, actors uh, and, uh, and uh, stars in the field of... Uh, science dissemination, I would say, because this, as we know, is a really important tool that we have uh, nowadays to uh, improve dissemination of research also. So congratulations first, and, and we are very, very honored to be with you today. Thank when you. Alberto says it, you have to believe it. I know. Right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, and um, uh, if I may add a few words, it is true that I had to wait for a long time to be in the family. Uh, <laughs> and, and you mentioned the clan that every three, four years there is a, a new member. And so I, I, I was queuing, I was in line. And now, now I'm in, so I'm extremely happy. This is true also that the impact factor that we just obtained is in fact the... the the, the reflect of the work of uh, Alberto's team, uh, because uh, each time we have an impact factor which is released, uh, it's the reflect of the uh, previous, uh, I would say, years of the journal. So we will we will discuss that for sure. But I believe that um, even though it's the most recognized measure of success of a scientific journal today, there are other metrics which was, uh, we, we need to invest on. And you have the perfect example also of what we should do 
because the vision we have of a journalist, of a scientific journal has changed. 10 years ago, we were receiving a printed issue, we were reading it over the plane or in a train and so on. That's That does not exist anymore. So it's a dynamic process. And outside the release of the issue, it's ongoing, it's alive. And uh, we need to talk about what we release and how we work on the, I would say, scientific dissemination of what we publish. Because we believe we have selected good content, but we need to get a wide readership. I mean, I think I think they're very wise words. Um, you know, no matter what an impact factor is, like Morgan said, there are various other metrics to to really assess the impact of an article on the community. And I think dissemination is a major aspect of it. Yeah, but come on, um, the EAU <laughs> has hired them. The board of the EAU who are all very hard ass people. You know, they all they care about is the impact factor, isn't it? So, so they, it's their no, number one KPI saying Briganti, don't mess up the impact <laughs> factor. You know, Rupre. So. We've got the, the league table in front of us. Um, yeah. The top 20, uh, I think, is this urology, nephrology? Um, have a look, Renu. So take us yes. through the, the top mm. few um, uh, in terms of ranking, because this is what they look at. Yeah, so this is, these are the, the top impact factors for journals in urology and nephrology. Uh, so European urology comes in at number one at an impact factor of 23.4. This is for 2022. Uh, what was it last year, by the way, Alberto? It was, t- uh, it was 24.3, so, okay, it's, so it was about one point higher. Okay, so just a little drop, yeah. Okay. Nature Reviews Urology came in at number two, 15.3. Yeah, little drop again. And then European Urology Oncology, number three at 8.2. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? For a journal that's only a few years old, it's only its second or third impact factor, I think. It's amazing. Journal of Urology is number four at 6.6. Uh, and then the other journal in the European Urology family, the European Urology Focus Journal, uh, comes in at number five at 5.4. And that's Christian Gratzky. Is Christian staying on? He, he's He's been the inaugural editor-in-chief, um, but he stays on. Fantastic. And Yes. And other... So, so know, Christian, Christian, as you were saying, sorry to interrupt, uh, uh, Reno, but he will uh, he, he will stay as editor in chief of Urology Focus, as Joachim Valls will stay as editor in chief of Urology Open Science. Because that's the other journal which hasn't got an impact factor yet because it's it's not mature enough. But maybe yeah. next year, um, Joachim Waltz's European Urology Open Science will have an impact factor. And, and what another about the other big um, ones? honorable yeah. mention is is the International Brazilian Journal of Urology, which oh. got a lot of attention on Twitter as a, as a very new journal, open access that's that's achieved an impact factor of three point seven in a very short time. What about BJUI? Uh, yes, let me find that. <laughs> Number nine, just above the Brazilian Journal at four point five. Four point five. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so... Yeah, and what about the World Journal of Urology? I think it's not even on... Did World it? Journal of Urology is number 13 at 3.4. Journal of Endourology at 2.7. Okay, there we go. The and, Aging and Male at number 20, 2. <laughs> 2.6. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so there's a league table, it's important, and they've dropped a bit. So, Alberto, can you explain to us why they've dropped? Because they've all been going up recently, so why have the impact factors dropped a bit? Yes, this is a great question. And I know that uh, in Twitter and other other social medias, there has been a lot of attention on the reason why the impact factor dropped a bit. And um, I mean, there are several reasons, but the main reasons that we might consider the most uh, reliable and, and important ones are mainly the fact that uh, we actually are not seeing any longer the boost of citations related to COVID. 
because nowadays uh, the number of publications related to COVID really decreased because of decreased scientific interest towards this topic. After years of, uh, of uh, really catastrophic events, as we know, and the second main reason is that the way Clavivate has changed uh, impact factor calculation has been uh, done in a way that that was kind of uh, uh, predictable. Uh, because uh, in the now in the way the impact factor calculation is done, and Reno was saying correctly, it's like. Uh, uh, we have a numerator and denominator, so it's a simple equation. And nowadays, uh, the denominator has changed in a way that uh, also early access articles have been included as source-citable source, uh, items. In, in other words, only also open access, oh, sorry, uh, early access articles are now included in the denominator. Mm -hmm. That means that if you have an article accepted but not yet assigned to an issue, that paper will be anyway included in the denominator, even though it will be maybe included in an issue months afterwards, which may happen in journal. So in a way, as you were saying, Declan, the denominator is uh, the big uh, um, factor for calculation of impact factors. And if you increase the denominator, then of course, impact factors might decrease. So will this be a temporary thing then? Is it just a correction for this period while they've decided now to count the early access articles? And they're unlikely to get many citations yet. Um, but this is a temporary dropping and then it's business as usual in future years because that's just going to be part of the normal calculation. So truly in the coming years, if something's moving up or down, it's because it's, it's real, not because of a temporary correction just for yeah. this year. Now, this is a fantastic question. As far as we know, this will stay. Uh, and uh, in the previous years, uh, there, there has been a transition period. But in, pre in the previous years, early access articles have been included only in the numerator. That was one of the reasons of the boost of the impact factors mm. of many journals. In other words, the early access articles were used as uh, articles which can uh, get citations included in the numerator, but not yet included in the denominator. So there has been also a boost, as you know, last year. Many journals had so much inflation of the imperfectors yeah. due to COVID and due to this transition way of calculation of imperfectors. So I would say that now we are going back to the real, in a way, not inflated imperfectors uh, uh, for many journals. I think that's a really important <laughs> point because what a lot of people don't realise is that numerator can be anything that's cited, letters, editorials, uh, you know, it, articles, but the denominator can only be peer-reviewed articles. So that, that you know, like Alberto was saying, that that can really influence the impact factor. That's why all the journals created these short format things like comments and uh, brief correspondence that are like less than a thousand words and certain number of citations because they haven't been counting to the denominator, but they count to the numerator if mm. you get a cite on them. So will that? So I think all the journals did that. It's, it's suddenly over the last 10 years, everybody introduced a short format thing because it wasn't bumping up the denominator. But uh, have you any, any comment on that, Morgan? I, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think, no, I mean, it's a global phenomenon that we described. So we have to bear in mind that it does not affect just our journals, but all the journals. So it's just the way it is calculated. And I think that uh, 
more or less, we should consider that the impact factor were stable and that we are starting fresh now with this new way to calculate it. And uh, we will uh, rise again and expand from uh, from uh, from this year to next year. So well, I'm not I'm not really concerned uh, because it does not affect or impact just our journals. And Absolutely. As we discussed earlier, Renew, um, that's impact factor. And that's probably their number one KPI for the EAU board who appointed these editors in chief. <laughs> but, you know, what are, what are your comments, Morgan, on other ways of measuring influence? I remember you and I having conversations 10 years ago when Twitter and all that was starting and we were starting in the BJUI doing social media. And we had a thing called the clout the clout index. Or clout. Oh, I, I, I'm, I, I don't know how we can... Uh... Uh, translate it uh, really uh, in, a, in a concrete manner. But I feel that what we are doing now is actually what we should do with the content of the journal. And uh, I remember when I was young and I was looking at the big data coming from, uh, I don't know, bladder cancer, prostate cancer. I was going at a big conference and I had the opportunity to be first row to look at the uh, speaker and to be in front of him or, or to meet him uh, just after the lecture. So I think that we have this opportunity with all the virtual stuff that we are creating together uh, to uh, be a little bit more interactive with our uh, potential readership. And on top of that, uh, we have also the opportunity to attract more people to the journal. We, we do not come spontaneously because we do not uh, want to forget that most of the urologists, I mean, I don't know how it goes in your country, but in France, Western Europe, by private practice, not always attracted by the last data that are going to be released or the light breaking abstract from the uh, big conference. So what we want is to reach them. And I have uh, the uh, feeling uh, that all the uh, people are interested in the new way of communication that you are perfectly developing. And if you guys, as urologists as well, you spend so much time doing this, it's not just for fun. It's because you believe that it is a way of communication that has been, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know, not, ser uh, not seriously considered enough so far. Um, so I, I, I think it's... It's the way to go. And, 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 and you, you had also a perfect example during the COVID decline. I remember at the ASCO GU and I remember you uh, giving lectures that were extremely sophisticated. And so you demonstrated perfectly that it was possible to be very professional in every aspect of the way we communicate. And this is perfectly the, 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 the objective of a scientific journal is to release data, but to get it uh, to a very wide audience, so we want to reach the uh, biggest audience we can we can we can do. See, Declan, I've been telling you we have to branch out to TikTok. I was going to ask Eva that question because we were having this conversation in the operating room last week about TikTok. Because I'm reading all this data, but it's it's so enormous, it's absolutely massive. I, I looked at it once and I, I really couldn't understand why it was. But then Eva was showing me in the operating room. I said, "Well, what's there for if you type in urology or prostate cancer?" And it was just astounding that it wasn't just the content; it was the volume of traffic from some urologists who were just TikToking out basic stuff about you know urological conditions and. Uh, so Aoife, what's, what's your take on TikTok? So we, we've just created a TikTok account. We've just prepared some videos, but I don't think I'll be any good at it. We'll need people like you to be good at it. But what, what's your advice to the editors-in-chief or on, on TikTok for urology to sort of compete or replace Twitter? Because Twitter has been useful because it's a way of engaging. It's a way of keeping up to date with um, 
journal articles, but you know, TikTok just looked a bit jokey and dancey and music and all that. But is could it could it really be a useful tool for urologists or editors in chief like these folk? Yeah, I think it could be. As as you said at the moment, the way TikTok is is like you described, a little bit jokey. You know, it's it's um, the level of that it's aimed at would be sort of more education for patients. So you know, you've got prostate cancer. Like, what? Well, here's five things you need to know. Um, but it is a massive platform, like you said. You know, they'll they get like, you know, some places like hundreds of millions of views on on like, you know, a, a 60 second video um, easy. It's very easy to tag things in it. So very searchable as opposed to, I feel like Twitter is a little bit harder to search terms. Um, so I think there, there would be room for, for it to turn a bit more professional like Twitter. Like the way I think about the different social media platforms would be like, for me, Twitter is sort of my, not like work one, but more like professional one. It's how I keep up to date with, you know, different like um, specialists and, you know, the latest uh, research and things and, you know, all the different threads that you get about the different dramas in the medical world across the whole world. Um, Instagram's a bit more, you know, what, what your friends and family are up to and, you know, people you went to high school with, what holiday they went on, you know, last year and just that sort of stuff. And uh, Facebook, I think, is essentially pretty much gone especially for millennials and gen z i would say uh, but tiktok seems like it's there's a lot of room for it to expand and it's also very good for uh using the platform so for editing videos creating content and um, it's 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 good for that so i don't know i suppose watch this space but i think there is there is room there for it to be a good good platform to use yeah you know when when we started when we started a few years ago there was only two for the professional, I would say, and also during the conferences, because it's impossible when you are in a big conferences to be in the main room and then to be at the poster discussion and then to be at the thematic session. So Twitter, it's like ubiquity uh, in the conference. So there is this opportunity to take part to every interesting discussion outside just your topic of excellence. You're interested in cancer. But from time to time, I don't know. Uh, you see a, a patient with a stone and so on. So you can take part um, simultaneously to every discussion. But outside Twitter, the, the, the landscape of social media is changing. Uh, today, uh, I see that many doctors are moving to Instagram because Twitter is very aggressive. Uh, most of the time, the people are reacting and it, it's, it's a, um, I don't understand why it's so aggressive on Twitter. So people are moving to Instagram yeah. when you could do live chat, when you can influence and so on. And I think that every channel should be considered seriously. There is no way 50 years ago you would have discussed with your grandmother and you would ask her uh, to choose between <laughs> the radio and the TV or uh, to uh, use the and to go to the cinema. So today is just like this. TikTok, I don't use it as far as I'm concerned, but I consider it, consider it as a very serious channel of communication and dissemination. And it's going to engage the young generation. So the residents, uh, all the the, the the fresh blood of urology. So we don't want to be apart uh, and, and far away from these people. We might need a much more creative name for TikTok, Declan. I've got a friend in Malaysia who's uh, Dr. Mal Winder Singh, whose uh, segment on Instagram and TikTok is called The Bald Urologist. <laughs> Why? The Bald Urologist? I mean, he is, very proudly so. Look, I, I think it's very interesting. And for these editors-in-chief, because we want to we'll finish up by asking them a little bit about the you know what, what's yeah. going to happen in the next few months. What can we look forward to in European urology? And well, I mean, these guys are visionaries, yeah. right? So they've they've got a vision for the, for the journals and... Uh, 
uh, we'd love to hear what it is. Uh, yeah, so uh, Alberto, Alberto, yeah, tell us a little bit. Um, you're in the transition, well, so uh, Jim is, you know, the papers coming through are still Jim and his team, but I think from the 1st of January, the, the banners change and you and your team take over. Uh, and what do you want to tell us about your team or what you've got planned for the journal? So one of the biggest vision I had was indeed to ask Declan to be the social media editor of our <laughs> journal. So I'm very happy that you accepted because uh, I mean you'll be fun- you'll do a fantastic job and uh, and I thank you again for being part of the team. So what I have done so far in this transition period is I tried to uh, shape a new team of people dedicated to the journal and to give different uh, or to increase the activities of science dissemination as what we were mentioning uh, and uh, to in a way change the way we deliver science towards uh, shortened articles, uh, towards new ways, uh, again, of dissemination, but also novel papers formats, uh, which uh, might be more user-friendly by many of us who really do not have time to uh, read the the, uh, lengthy paper or very long papers. And we are also investing on, uh, in a way, changing the way we deliver systematic reviews, because sometimes you can derive very useful information, but uh, they are not that much readable in a way that uh, you are kind of uh, um, uh, killed sometimes by tables, by data, without a real take-home message for users, which at the end of the day is what we want to deliver to readers. Uh, So the team is, we have just formed the the new team, uh, which will be in place and will be, is already working, but will be the official team of the journal as of January 1st. And I'm very happy to have uh, many dedicated people around me working to get uh, or to maintain uh, the impacts, whatever it is, of European neurology <laughs> as high as it is today, or maybe to increase it. Uh, that would be my <laughs> dream. Uh, but uh, but we really need to work hard. And honestly, being editor in chief of a journal is is another is a job within a job, right? Because we are all surgeons. We are all physicians, but we dedicate so much time to this uh, project that uh, we actually sometimes have to be uh, very selective in the way we spend our time, especially in the weekends, uh, Christmas time, uh, summertime. There is no vacation for, for an editor-in-chief, which at the end of the day is also a good thing in a way that you get so much passionate that to that, uh, that uh, you don't want to to... to to finish it. Indeed, I decided to move from oncology and apply for the main journal for this main reason. He sounds like a good boss, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about your boss? Because, yeah, um, Morgan, would you like to say anything to follow yeah, that yeah. up? <laughs> the first decision I took, because I was totally jealous of the situation, I, I went to Renew and I said, look, uh, you have to be in. Um, and this is the only way we should... Uh, um, I would say, work on the uh, social media and digital communication. So, of course, Rino is in and she is becoming the digital media editor of European Neurology Oncology. It is also a perfect way to interact between journals because I think that uh, Alberto, who has been working to, uh, with European Neurology and then developed European Neurology Oncology, is perfectly aware of the way that uh, we are a family, but just not a world, but we need to work together. So there will be this uh, this um, this necessity to meet on a regular manner 
to have a, a shared vision. We have our own specificities, but to have a shared vision of how we develop uh, within the family and with the leadership of Alberto, there is no doubt that we will be successful in that way. So it's perfect to see you sitting next to one another uh, because obviously the, the cooperation is obviously uh, already working. So what I had in mind, my, my field is much more restricted. It's not the whole urology brand, it's the oncology spectrum, which can be also broad. And I, I noticed in many urological conferences that we were successful as a European urology family for the guidelines, for the journals, mm. but the big conferences, ASCO, ESMO, are in oncology. So what we need is more oncologists involved in the journal, and the way we build it, if we see all the phase two, phase three trials that are coming to early phases of the natural history of the disease, we want to have... PI or co-PI with medical oncologists and urologists. So this is the way I've built the team of the journal. I asked medical oncologists to stay or to step in. For instance, Florence Albiges was there for kidney cancer. She is in, and now she has a supporting editor who is a urologist, Ricardo Campi, for instance. For the prostate cancer, we have a urologist, Guillaume Poussard, and we have a supporting medical oncologist with Elena Castro. So diversity and a duo, medical oncologist and urologist. And also, we were raised and born as, uh, I would say, specialist of an organ. And it is not the way it is, because cancer is a cell disease. We have so many uh, things to share. So we need to be open-minded to new topics. This is why I've asked Alicia Morgans to step in for taking care of, I would say, patient survivorship, uh, uh, patient reported outcomes, uh, quality of life, all these things that comes along, uh, I would say, uh, 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 cancer, and which has nothing to do with just the uh, survival and the Kaplan-Meier curves that we are producing in conferences, but the quality of life of the patient were uh, diagnosed and treated for cancer. So I believe that uh, we will attract and we will hunt also uh, potential uh, new authors that could be attracted to the journal and we would not be spontaneously submitting um, the, 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 the content of their research to our journal. So this is the way to open, I would say, the blurred lines of uh, oncology to uh, other authors or other investigators. Fantastic. What a vision, what a multidisciplinary vision and strong yeah. radiation oncologists, uh, I think, coming on board. I know you haven't uh, released all the names yet, but it's great to hear some yeah. of the names and seeing them on Twitter and so on. And I suppose, Alberto, the other thing we wanted to acknowledge before we finish is this very strong uh, back office team led by Kathy Pierce, who's been yeah, in the journal absolutely. for how many years since um, oh, Montorsi's time uh, and Kirsten Marshall. So they're still there, aren't they, uh, overseeing the whole family of journals? Yes, absolutely. Uh, this is uh, incredibly important and uh, because to actually run such a platform like the one uh, that has been built uh, by the EU within the EU family, as we were saying, you need such a dedicated supporting people. And as you know, Kathy Pierce is, is the pillar of the journals. And uh, I sure actually is. have been working with her uh, since she was uh, the managing editor at the, at the Montorsi's time. Uh, so I still remember that we went out together to buy the very first computer for the very first office uh, of her in Milan. So I did drive a convertible back then. It was myself and her going to the shop, buying the computer. We installed the computer, the two of us. 
and mm -hmm. and and the old story started with Milan with Montorsi, and then of course Jim. So I'm I'm very happy that she stayed with Jim. She will stay with the, with us during the next years, I hope. And she is fantastic. And Kirsten is also doing a fantastic job in this in the in the field of uh, communication and uh, dissemination. And we will also have another assistant working with me in Milan. Uh, so there will be a three of them. So we will create a small, a small team of managing editors for the four journals yeah. overall. Well, there you go. What a, what a great well, little peek into the back end absolutely. of um, big journals. Yeah. And it's exciting. I think the future of European neurology is in safe hands with these two fantastic leaders. It sure is. And I should say, in case you think this is just an exclusive European urology thing, we had invited on um, uh, another very senior editor-in-chief, yeah. but hmm. uh, at the last minute. One of our favourites. Yes, uh, but we uh, we will definitely want to dive into the other journals. And yeah. uh, uh, we love all our big journals and uh, it's really important work and it's lovely to hear some of the back end. So that's, um, that's great. That was fun, wasn't it? That was fun. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Alberto guess. and Morgan, yeah. for joining us today. That's thank you, and uh, we will see you all in Paris uh, for the EAU24, uh, where we obviously have the opportunity to meet all together and, uh, and gather the family. So I am so happy that uh, it takes place in Paris. We'll have the Olympics for sure next year, but first of all, we'll have yeah, the yeah, EAU. We'll all yeah. be there <laughs> We'll year. be there. And thank you, Aoife, for yeah, joining us as well. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Alberto, yeah. go ahead. Well, I was saying that the social part of our journals is very important, as you know. So during uh, each AU meetings, we actually have very nice dinners all together. And uh, it's fun. It's really a family journal. And again, just let me thank also Christian Gratzke and Jochen Watz, who could not be here today. Absolutely. Because they are also absolutely the leaders of, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the journals. And, and, uh, and yeah. I, I really thank them. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah, Fantastic. and so we look forward to that. And Aoife, thank you for joining us yeah. uh, yet again. Thank no you, worries. Aoife. It's great fun. I'm glad to be back. And, <laughs> and for educating us on what's happening in all these social media journals. It's been uh, entertaining. But I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with these journals next year as they adopt yeah. to, especially TikTok and uh, all that sort of business. And I suppose we'll have to learn a bit about it ourselves. Yeah, uh, I really think there's going to be some great yeah. innovations. They, they in next, next time we want, we want the, the shirt. We want the oh, yes. Over. Merchandise coming your way. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so they want the merch. Let's find some merch Absolutely, for them. Well, maybe yeah. now they're. Go I think we're going to put on podcasts for them. Maybe we'll get some European. Yeah, but it's, it's not like coffee mugs. It's wine glasses. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, well, that's all we got time for. Thank you very much, um, and um, we'll be back again soon with some more episodes. Thanks very much uh, to our guests, and uh, we'll talk to you all again soon. Thank you very much. Ciao. Thanks a lot. Au revoir. Bye. Ciao. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Ciao. Ciao. Bye. Bye. A bientôt.